1: Wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hello, and welcome to the 29th incarnation of the Attaboy Clarence podcast. Hope you've all had a productive week have to say, a few people have been in touch this week to tell me that they found the radio play I picked for the last episode a little morally dubious. Their responses are best summed up, methinks, by the tweet I got from Grindhouse Dave, one of my favourite ever people on Twitter, who wrote thus Not sure on morality of lady for a day. I'm poor, so I'm shameful. Lie to your child. Pretend to die to keep child fooled. Lol. I have to be honest with you, I agree. I remember the first time I heard that radio play, I was rather dumbfounded by its finale. It's actually different in the movie, that doesn't happen, but I suppose they were trying to tie things up a little more in the radio play. So if the denouement of the radio version has put you off from watching the film, then think again. It is rather an immoral way of ending such a sweet little fairy tale, but I can only offer the excuse that it was a different time with a decidedly more un-PC way of thinking. Talking of political correctness, who wants to hear a man who lives in a chamber pot trying to get out of doing the washing up?
3: If you hate
4: to wash dishes, then you're gonna love
2: Tide.
5: Well, I certainly hate to wash dishes. Why am I going to love Tide?
2: Because you're a woman in the 1940s. Because
6: Tide does dishes easier and
2: faster and pleasanter.
5: Well, what about the greasy water dishwashing makes? I really hate that.
6: You're full of hate, aren't you? Then you are gonna love Tide. Because when Tide's in your dishpan, greasy water is out. For Tide cuts grease amazingly. Seems to make it disappear. Why that sudsy water stays
4: so fresh and pleasant, your hands will love it.
5: Well, that's fine, but dishwashing takes time. I hate that part, too.
2: This woman literally hates all life.
6: Then I repeat, you're gonna love Tide.
2: Haters gonna hate.
7: You're gonna love Tide.
4: Now that summertime's almost here, you'll be roasting hamburgers on the outdoor grill. Just be sure you've got plenty of that smoother, smoother, smoother Pabst Blue Ribbon cooling off in the icebox. Tomorrow morning, get yourself to the store. And when the man says, what'll you have? Just slip him those three little words. Stick them up. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Okay. Buy it by the bottle or by the can. Either way, you'll enjoy that internationally famous taste of the finest beer served. Anywhere. Now let's take a quick musical trip to Blue Ribbon Lands, to places around the world where folks enjoy internationally famous Paps Blue Ribbon beer. Ready now? See how many you can get.
2: Oh goody, I like games.
8: Uh,
2: uh, heterosexual Paris. And
4: in gay paris, folks ah, just like yourself paris. enjoy that smoother it. tasting Paps Blue Ribbon. Finest beer served anywhere. Now uh, Miami. That's right, that's right, Managua, Nicaragua. Aye? Another wonderful place where internationally famous this Pabst Blue Ribbon is served and enjoyed. Next. Sometimes you go where everybody
2: knows your name. Seinfeld.
8: Chicago is right, that's right, yes, all
4: over America, all over the world, folks enjoy that number one international favorite, Pabst Blue Ribbon. Finest beer served anywhere. It's the beer the whole world knows about. And remember... The quality that has carried the fame around the world is yours for the asking. So next time somebody says, what'll you have? Get in the world's best answer.
2: You have failed, Monk. That's smoother.
4: Smoother. Smoother. Hoover. Smoother. Groover. Smoother. Boozer. Smoother. Cougar. Smoother.
2: Out. Maneuver.
4: Perhaps Blue Ribbon Beer.
2: Damn, I'm thirsty now. Oh are you thinking bad you are So, the dictionary definition of a serial killer is a person who's murdered three or more people over a period of more than a month, with a cooling-off period between each murder. Jolly little fact for you there, played out against the backdrop of Celine Dion. Anywho, those of you who've been with me for the long haul may remember that in episode three of this podcast, I told you about the first serial killer film from Hollywood, The Leopard Man, a brilliant film directed by Jacques Tourneur and produced by horror maestro Val Luton. Well, once the seed had been planted, other filmmakers took it and ran with it. The notion of a killer who kills because he's compelled to do so is infinitely more terrifying than a killer who kills for revenge, or for love, or for money. Well, today, I'd like to tell you about three movies from the Golden Age that were shockingly unconventional in their depiction of the serial killer. The first one is Lured from 1947. This stars Lucille Ball, uh, George Sanders, Charles Coburn, Cedric Hardwick, George Zuko, and Boris Karloff, who gets fourth billing here, but he's only actually in it for about five minutes. So don't put this on your list if you're expecting some classic Karloffing. It's really just a cameo. This is the story of Sandra, played by Lucille Ball, who's a dance hall girl and whose friend, Lucy, has just become the latest victim of the notorious Poet Killer, a fiendish serial murderer who finds his victims in the personal columns of London newspapers and who writes poems to the police about his next intended victim. There's
7: a homicidal maniac loose somewhere in the vast honeycomb of London. A maniac with a weakness for young pretty girls. And not a thing we've done has brought us one inch nearer his apprehension. There's not a man in the department, sir, has not been racking his brains over this case. Racking his brains? Hm, that's a mistake. We can go on racking our brains till doomsday. And young innocent girls will keep on disappearing as will this one, whose fate has been sealed by this poem. No, it's not our brains we should rack. It's the brain that wrote this, a beauty that only death can enhance. For tonight, my friends, is her final dance.
2: When Sandra is brought in for questioning by Scotland Yard, they instantly see that she's smarter than your average witness and offer her a job as a detective working undercover to try and snare the poet killer by answering the suspicious ads being placed in the personal columns of London's newspapers.
7: Close your eyes. How large is this office? Oh,
5: about 12 by 16.
7: Where's the coat rack?
5: Uh between the door and the window.
7: What color are the walls?
5: Uh dirty beige.
7: Well, we don't spend the taxpayers' money in luxuries. Describe me frankly, if you please.
5: Well, you're kind of grayish, heavy set, six feet tall, and you probably have stomach trouble. You have a signet ring on your left little finger, a watch chain with a gold pendant. And you try to be hard-boiled, but you're really a softie. Satisfied? Quite.
7: Very enlightening.
5: Do I get the job?
7: So you know what I've been aiming
5: at. Female
0: detective, isn't that what you've been testing me for?
7: Exactly.
2: Despite the ludicrousness of this job interview, uh, Sandra takes to being a detective straight away, and the film charts her amateur investigations as she works her way through the personal ads to find the poet killer. Well, it's a lot lighter than most serial killer dramas. It's more Nancy Drew than Annie Wilkes. It does have its effective moments, particularly in the unravelling of each of Sandra's little adventures. So the first ad she answers is for a sinister Boris Karloff, who turns out to be a demented fashion designer who now puts on ghastly catwalk shows for imaginary guests. Is it
8: Not
9: if you humour him. Uh...
2: She then stumbles into a plot by a foreign drug lord to abduct British girls and use them to smuggle his merchandise. Along the way, she falls in love with a playboy, played by George Sanders, but as she grows nearer to him, she also draws nearer to discovering the identity of the poet killer. It's a fun little film with a great cast, including a brilliant turn by George Zuko, who finally gets to play the hero here as Barrett, a detective who's sent to protect Sandra, and seems to keep rescuing her at exactly the right moment. It's a little uneven in tone, it can't seem to decide if it's a romantic comedy or a mystery or a psycho killer thriller, but it certainly succeeds as a cinematic oddity and it's always fun to see Boris Karloff and George Zuko in something other than a universal horror. A Little Darker is the second film I'd like to tell you about. 1946's The Spiral Staircase. This was directed by Robert Siodmak, who was most renowned for his work in film noir with films like Phantom Lady. But he did dip his toe into horror, too. He directed Son of Dracula, a God awful film and Cobra Woman which may actually be the best film I've ever seen. I'll try and do that one soon. So anyway in 1946, Sjodmak brought The Spiral Staircase to the screen. The novel it was based on, entitled Some Must Watch, has a very distinguished pedigree. It was written by Ethel Lena White, who also wrote The Wheel Spins, which was filmed as The Lady Vanishes by Alfred Hitchcock, so you know you're in good hands. The Spiral Staircase tells the story of a sleepy New England town at the turn of the 20th century which is being preyed upon by a vicious serial killer. This killer has been targeting the women of the town but not just any women. The killer has been slaughtering girls with physical disabilities.
3: You know there's been another murder. Yes, so I've heard. What I want to say is that
7: we've traced the murderer to this vicinity. Are you certain? Yes. That's why I've come here. That's why I'm asking everyone to be careful. Keep your doors and windows locked tonight.
10: Well, I'll see that your orders are carried out, Constable.
7: I'm especially worried about the uh, that girl who works for you. Helen? Yes. You see, every one of those girls murdered had something the matter with her,
2: something wrong. His latest victim was a young girl who couldn't walk, and with his tally now past three, the law began to fan out all over town in search of the man or woman that they're after. Our heroine is Helen, a mute girl who works as a live-in companion for an elderly lady, Mrs. Warren, in a gloomy, shadowy mansion. On the outskirts of town from the outset it quickly becomes clear that the killer has followed helen back to the house under the cover of a crashing storm and intends to make her his next victim As the film goes on, it soon turns out that the killer may, in fact, be one of the other inhabitants of the house, either of Mrs. Warren's sons, Albert, a kindly professor, or Stephen, the playboy layabout, or it could be Oates, the roughneck chauffeur, Barker, the freakishly strong nurse to Mrs. Warren, Mrs. Oates, the alcoholic, or how about the bedridden Mrs. Warren herself? It is slightly overlong, and the solution to the killer's identity does become pretty clear about halfway in. But that doesn't prevent the spiral staircase from being a very effective little chiller.
0: Did you know there was a girl murdered here a long time ago? I saw it. Upstairs from the window. It was getting dark. I thought it was a tree in the garden stood so still and waited. Then when the poor, simple-minded creature came near the house, the tree moved through into the well. I was too late. I couldn't find the rope.
2: For a start, its central conceit, a killer that only targets physically impaired women, is a particularly nasty one. The killer later explains that the reason for the crimes is that the world has no room for imperfection, which is eerily similar to the mission of a certain Nazi leader from just a few years before. And while all the crashing lightning and relentless thunder does seem a little clichéd as the film goes on, there's barely a moment when the thunder isn't smashing through the gloom. It's sort of high camp fun. Robert Zemeckis was a master of shadows, and this film in particular is lit Perfectly, The shadows skew themselves against the walls. There's just enough light to see the important parts of the scene. There's even a whole plot point regarding candles that's used to superb effect and the spiral staircase of the movie's title, which runs down through the house and upon which the film's climax takes place, is a masterful piece of work when it comes to shadow and lighting. There's a part at the beginning of the film that really shows Siodmak firing on all cylinders as a director. Helen, the mute girl, is walking home, playfully tripping the stick against a fence and making her way through one of the creepiest overgrown gardens ever. When a storm suddenly blows in, the sky darkens and a flash of lightning reveals the killer, concealed behind a tree, stalking up behind her, just as a thunderclap causes her to drop her house key into a puddle, and as she scrambles to find it, the killer closes in behind her. There's also a particularly chilling effect used whenever the killer is watching a prospective victim. The camera closes in to a close-up of the killer's eye, which is a malevolent sight indeed. And Coupled with the whining, spooky theremin that haunts the entire film, it all adds up to a very creepy experience. The last film I'd like to tell you about is The Darkest of the Three. This is completely devoid of Hollywood glamour. In fact, it contains no Hollywood at all.
8: It was made in
2: 1931 in Germany, and its name is M. This was director Fritz Lang's first sound film, and it still stands today as one of cinema's most terrifying glimpses behind the eyes of a serial killer. It tells the story of a terrifying time for the city of Berlin. Their children are being lured away by a perverted killer and murdered. The police have no clues and the public demands action. Scenes of mob violence have begun to spring up around the city and in desperation, the police decide that they must be seen to be doing something and lead a series of raids on well-known criminal hangouts, herding as many of Berlin's felons into custody as they can. The problem is that the man they're looking for is a quiet, respectable man named Hans Beckert. As the police raids intensify, the criminals of Berlin come together and decide that the only way of stopping the police persecution is to seek out the killer for themselves and put an end to him. Their only clue comes from a blind street beggar who heard Beckett whistling as he abducted a small girl. When he hears the same man whistling the same tune later, he alerts the gang and they cleverly mark Beckett's back with an M for murderer which allows him to be tracked as he travels across the city. Eventually, he realises what's happening and a cat-and-mouse game of pursuit begins as he's pursued by the criminals of Berlin while they themselves are being pursued by an ever-desperate police department. The film opens with a horrifying scene. A ring of children are playing an odd one-out game in the yard of a tenement block. As the small girl in the centre of the ring turns and points to each child around her in turn, she recites a blood-curdling rhyme about a bogeyman and his chopping wife, who's coming to chop small pieces out of his victims. A woman cries from a balcony for them to stop with such a nasty game, and we follow her into her apartment, where she waits for her small daughter to arrive home from school. As she waits, she's setting the table for dinner. The clock on the town hall strikes, and we see the girl leaving the school, bouncing her ball. She reaches a pillar, which features a poster appealing for information about the murderer, and she stops to bounce her ball on it when a shadow appears and asks her name. We then cut back to the mother, who hears the thundering of children's feet on the stairs outside her door. Relieved, She opens the door, but the feet don't belong to Elsie, her daughter. They belong to two other children who run past and up the stairs. Anxiously, she looks down the stairs. The man is now walking along with Elsie and stops to buy her a balloon. By now... The mother is very worried. All the other children have arrived home from school and she stands at the top of the landing in their apartment building, calling her daughter's name. (coughs) We then cut to a nondescript bush on some scrubland, from which rolls the ball. The girl's balloon flies carelessly up and becomes tangled in overhead power cables. The mother's screams are heard throughout the apartment building. And the last shot is of the girl's empty place at the dinner table. M is a hard sell, really. It's sometimes difficult enough to sell someone on the idea of watching a film in black and white. I'm sure you all know people who will immediately refuse to watch a film in monochrome, which instantly removes a giant swathe of film history and entertainment from their lives crazy really. Consider how difficult it is then to try and get someone to watch a black and white film in German with English subtitles and dealing with a child murderer. Trust me, it isn't easy. But those that do take you up on the offer, as I'm hoping you will, are rewarded with one of the most chilling, most horrifying, most heartbreakingly poignant, blackly comic, gut-wrenchingly tense films in all of cinema, there are no two ways about it. M is a magnetically powerful experience. Firstly, for someone new to the art of marrying sound to film, Fritz Lang's direction and imagination is breathtaking. For long periods of the film, there is no dialogue, and the story is told with some startling visuals. But when sound does enter into the film, it's used in an incredibly inventive way. You have a mother's voice ringing out over shots of empty playgrounds, the recurring motif of the murderer's whistle, the faint scratches of a man trying to escape from a locked room. All quite conventional, right? The thing is that when you put these tools into the hands of a man who had, for the previous 13 years, told stories on screen without sound at all, you are enhancing the skills of an already established master. It's like giving anabolic steroids to an Olympic champion. Secondly, Peter Laurie's performance as Hans Beckert is quite extraordinary. Very much like Christoph Waltz, he was actually a comic actor before he made this and fritz lang obviously saw something in him that others weren't seeing he is nausea inducing sympathetic charming horrifying and repellent all at once his final scene where he hysterically tries to explain his compulsion to kill to the mothers of his victims will scar and bewilder you with its ferocity it is a mind-blowing achievement in acting So much more could be said about this film. The two investigations that take place, one by the police, who actually succeed, but who are beaten to the punch by the criminals that they've been persecuting. The way that society turns in on itself. Um, A man is asked the time by a child and when he answers her, a suspicious passerby grabs him and proclaims that he must be the murderer and a riot breaks out. It has so much to say and says it all so effectively. A remarkable achievement for a director who had only just been given a voice. Anyway, see for yourself just what an amazing piece of storytelling it is. It's this week's film club choice. So go to adboyclarence.com and check it out. Well, as for a radio play this week, I was a little torn. One of my favourite radio plays is a black little tale entitled "Dime a Dance, the tale of a dancehall girl who uses her wiles to snare a particularly gruesome serial killer, coincidentally starring Lucille Ball. However, the screen director's playhouse produced a very concise, rather macabre little version of the spiral staircase. So, take them both, you ravishing band of vagabonds. First up, we'll go to Radio's premier theatre of thrills, Suspense, with Dimer Dance, and we'll follow it with the Screen Director's Playhouse version of the Spiral Staircase. So reposition your buttocks to the edge of your seat, firmly place your nails between your teeth, and turn the lights down low.
11: Roma Wines presents Suspense. Roma Wines. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Salud. your health, senor. Roma Wines Toast the World. The wine for your table is Roma Wine. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world.
3: This is the Man in Black, here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. To introduce this weekly half hour of Suspense. Tonight in Hollywood, Roma Wines bring you the MGM star, Miss Lucille Ball. The suspense play which stars Miss Ball, which is produced and directed by William Spear, is called Dime-A-Dance. It deals, as you will presently know, with Broadway life and sudden death, both set to music. And so with Dime-A-Dance and with the performance of Lucille Ball as a red-haired young lady named Ginger Allen, Roma Wines again hope to keep you in...
5: Suspense. Have you ever danced with a murderer? Doesn't cost any more for the extra thrill. It's only a dime. How could I do it? You say? I had to to save my own life. I'm a taxi dancer from the Joyland Palace, one of the places just off Broadway in the '40s. You know the kind of place. Second-rate dance bands like Frankie Froman's Fifteen Frolickers. I was late to work that night. I ran down Broadway, scrambling through the crowd to the entrance of the Joyland. Fifty
6: beautiful girls upstairs, boys. Come in and count them yourself. No admission. ten cents to dance. Come in, we're just getting started. The music is the
12: very... Hello, Max.
6: Hey, uh, Ginger, you better step on him. Marina's looking for you. You're late. He's burning. I know.
5: it. Is Julie coming in yet? Not yet. Fifty
8: beautiful girls waiting to dance for you. Step right in. this, Go for
13: Ah, uh, good evening. So you finally decided to come, did you? Hiya, Marino. Sorry, I'm late. Hey, you ought to be. I'm Julie. All the cash customers are waiting. I sent out the girls before all the years are here, and you say I'm playing favorites.
5: Well, blame it on Julie. She gave me a stand-up tonight. All
13: right, so I'll blame it on Julie. Where is she? Isn't she here? No, and she ain't home neither, because I phoned her there 15 minutes ago. I thought she was with you.
5: And I thought she was here.
13: Hey, if this is no gag, what happened to her?
5: Well, that's what I'm beginning to wonder.
13: Then go on in and get your stuff on. Julie be all right.
5: Yeah, maybe she slipped in while you were busy counting tickets or something. See you right away, Marino. Oh,
8: Thanks for being late and being teacher's pet. We've been entertained by mom here while waiting for. All us.
5: right, lay off. Mom, throw me that foot powder. Looks like a heavy night out there. My feet still hurt from last night. Here
12: you are, Derek. <clears throat> That's the way I am, girl. What I like every once in a
5: while is a good, juicy murder. Nice kid. No, not to be murdered herself. Call me that dress, would you, Madame Defarge, the green one? Is Julie here? Not unless she's hiding in the closet, honey. Do any of you know where she is? you asking us. Ain't she your buddy? Maybe they had a fight. Well, did any of you hear from her? Why not ask Marino? He's been hanging around around. (laughs) her. Now, that southern girl, Sally, she used to
12: work in a joint like this one further uptown. There was a murder for you. Come on, hurry it up, baby. I'm the blind spot, honey. She just never showed up to work one
5: night. Who didn't?
12: That southern girl, Sally. Then they found her. That was about three years ago. Oh, what a sight she was when the police discovered the body. Oh,
5: cut it out, Mom. Then there was the
12: Robinson gal out in oh. Brooklyn. They to death. They found a phonograph and records by her body didn't even belong to her. The murderer brought his own music. Oh, she was a dance hall phony, too. Maybe some guy has it in for you girls. Pleasant character. Well, maybe one fella kills the both of them. Maybe there's a dance hall killer still at large getting ready for his next victim.
13: Now, what do you think I pay you girls for anyway?
5: I often wonder. Oh,
3: Marino, think we're giving a free
8: show
13: in here? Ah, you couldn't interest anybody in that chassis of yours, even with a set of dishes thrown in. Oh,
8: yeah. All right,
13: all of you, file out. I got something to tell Ginger. Uh, come on,
5: get
13: out. Uh, Ginger, what I wanted to see you... I
5: know, I know, Marino, I put you in a spot. I'll be dressed in a minute, and if you ward off those garlic eaters tonight, I'll work twice as hard and make it up to you no,
13: I'm in no spot, Ginger, but you are.
5: Marina, what's the matter? What's happened?
13: The police want to see you, Ginger.
5: Police? What for? I didn't do anything.
13: I'm sorry, Ginger, but...
5: Something's happened to Julie.
13: That's what the police want to see you by. Julie's dead. Dead? Murdered.
3: Tonight in our suspense theater, death is a dancing thing. Roma Wines is bringing you Lucille Ball, a star of suspense, in the Cornell Woolrich story, Dime a Dance.
11: You have heard the prologue for tonight's tale of suspense. Before we return to the scene of our drama, let me say just this. Few spots on the globe boast the unique and perfect combination of nature's gifts which makes possible truly good wine. Wine which the whole world can enjoy. But wine experts will tell you that among those fortunate spots, none can surpass the vineyards of our own California. From these renowned California vineyards come Roma wines. wines so perfect in flavor, so delightful, that they are enjoyed in many countries of the world. To us in America, Roma wines are an everyday treat. For we may buy them at an astonishingly low price since we pay no import duties or expensive shipping costs. Do you enjoy a delicious tangy sherry? Tomorrow, treat yourself to a glass of Roma California sherry. We're sure you will agree you've never tasted finer. With your first sip, you'll understand why Roma wines are America's largest selling wines. Tomorrow, ask your dealer for your favorite type of Roma wine. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world.
3: And now it is with pleasure that Roma Wines bring back to our soundstage Miss Lucille Ball in Dime a Dance, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense.
5: All the way over in that police car with those two flat feet from homicide, I could see Marino's face when he said, Murdered. Poor Marino. We got out and walked up to the third floor of the building, to Julie's room. Marino never said a word.
3: All right, sister, in here.
5: Is, is, she, is she still in there?
3: No, you won't have to look at her.
5: Oh. How did it happen? Strangled. Why didn't she yell out? There were plenty of people around.
3: Now look, Ginger, we're asking the questions. Oh. Yeah, but since you raised it, we figured the person who could get close enough to kill her... With someone she felt safe with. Yeah, she was murdered by someone she trusted, by a friend.
5: Well, I was the only friend she had.
3: Yeah, so they'd tell us. Unless she had a boyfriend. And who was her boyfriend? Yeah.
13: If she was strangled, where did all the blood come from?
5: Flatfoot didn't answer Marino. He shut up all at once as if he didn't have the heart to tell us the rest of it. His eyes gave him away, though. I got the whole score just following his gaze around the room. First, he looked at the little phonograph. By using bamboo needles, she could play it late at night, soft, you know, so no one could hear it. The needle was worn down halfway, all, all shredded as though it had been played over and over. Then his eyes wandered to a flat piece of paper that, that had eight or ten shiny new dimes on it. Some had little brown flecks on them. Then his eyes went down to the rug. It was all pleated up in places that, especially along the edges, as though something heavy, something, something lifeless had been dragged back and forth over it. You mean he danced with her after he killed her? Gave her a dime a dance even then?
3: Now will you tell us? Who was her boyfriend? Play that record. Maybe she'll remember some guy they both knew who was kept on the piece. It was the only one he played.
8: Turn it off. Stop it. Stop that music. (sighs) That wasn't
5: hers. She never had that record. Poor butterfly. She hated it. She couldn't stand it. Someone brought that record here with him.
3: Sure someone did. Maybe her boyfriend, sort
5: of no boyfriend. It was someone who waited for her in that room in the dark and killed her before she could scream. It was the same madman who killed those two other dance hall girls. He pays a dime a dance A dime a dance Whether you're alive or dead Back at the grind The flat feet let me go Nobody told me anything Sometime when you have nothing better to do You try dancing with a couple of hundred guys a night Asking yourself each time One of them wraps his arms around you Is this the killer? Has he a knife in his hand behind my back?
6: Say, uh, can I see you a minute? Got a ticket? Yeah, but I don't want to dance, Ginger. I want to talk.
5: Well, it's your dime. Say, how do you know my name?
6: What just happened to?
5: Who are you, anyway?
6: Recognize those two guys leaning against the wall?
5: The two flat feet?
6: And I'm the third. Nick's the name.
5: What about Mer... Uh, About her boyfriend?
6: Relax. We have proof it wasn't her boyfriend and wasn't you.
5: Oh, then you expect him to show up again after what he's done already, huh?
6: We just got the report on those other two girls. They were killed by a maniac who played poor butterfly. Also, the fingerprints in all three cases match. He'll keep it up until we get him.
5: How do you know what he looks like?
6: We don't. We only know he isn't through yet. That's why I was assigned to protect you. Protect me? Yep. (laughs) Keep my eye on you all night while you work and then take you home right to your door. Uh, Marino knows about the other two dicks, but no one knows about me. Fact is, headquarters told me not to tell even you.
5: Then why did you?
6: <laughs> I just saw how touchy you are. I don't want you to misunderstand my attentions.
5: Well, what if someone asks me who you are?
6: I say I'm your new boyfriend.
5: Oh, don't get smart. I never had a boyfriend.
6: Good. Now you've got one.
5: Oh, well, 35 girls on this musical chain, gang. Why do you pick on me?
6: Because we found out one more thing about the killer's habits. The two girls that were murdered before Julie both had red hair.
5: Julie had red hair.
6: Yeah. And so have you, baby.
5: (laughs) So I was set up as victim number four. Nice thought. But every night, like the milkman, just when the girls filed out to feast the arms and eyes of the wolves, there was Nick. Now, that was some comfort. Nothing personal, you understand, but... It was also a comfort to see those other two flat feet on the job night after night. How's Ginger? Fine. How's Nick? Hey, you're four minutes late. Miss me? Oh, I'm just a taxpayer that wants to see a public servant earn his money. <laughs>
6: if the city got broke, I'd do this job for nothing. Uh-oh. Your straw boss, Marino, is giving
13: you the high side.
6: Oh,
5: I'll go see what he wants. You wait here. It's on your mind, Marino.
13: Hey, who is that monkey hanging around you every night?
5: Well, he pays for his tickets, doesn't he?
13: Yeah, but he never uses them. Who is he?
5: My boyfriend.
13: Oh, you known him long?
5: Long enough.
13: Take care of yourself, Ginger. Don't
5: worry, Marino. I know my way around, but thanks.
13: Besides, we're not running any matrimonial bureau around here. You've got to spread yourself around a little more. Share the wealth. There's other customers All in. right, all now
5: right. Now watch out, will you? All right.
6: What did, what did he want?
5: Oh, nothing. Nick, is there any news? You know, it's a month since Julie...
6: No, 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 no. Calm down, Redhead.
5: Yeah, that's just it. That red hair. Look, why won't you let me dye it?
6: Well, I've got my reasons.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You great, big, silent, strong (laughs) cop.
6: That's right. Those cops.
5: And then came that night. That horrible night. I was late as usual, got to the dressing room, planning to dress in no seconds flat so I could get out on the floor and be with Nick. Somehow, I felt that I was going to need him that night. Some instinct told me it was... A matter of life or death. It's
8: been a
12: whole month since the last one.
8: What I like
12: every once in a while is a good, juicy murder. Come on, snap it up. What do you think i pay you girls for
5: anyway? Who are you looking out the door for, Ginger? Now, you
12: take that kill in the room. There was a real, juicy case. Oh,
5: shut up, Mom. Will you cut it out? Oh,
12: I'm sorry, dearie. I keep forgetting you when she was so
5: cool. Well, that's all right. I'm jittery. Laverne, have you seen my boyfriend? Not tonight. Maybe he got bored. Billy, have you seen Nick? You know, the tall handsome. Not tonight, Redhead. I guess he's giving you the air. Come on, come on up. What am I paying you for? Come on. What? What's the matter, Ginger?
13: You look like you have seen a ghost. What are you looking for out there? What's so fascinating about the clock?
5: Marino, they're not there. Where are those two flat feet? How
13: don't you know about that? Never
5: mind that now. Where are they? Called off. Called off?
13: Yeah, that sounds screwy to me, but police headquarters figures they frightened off whoever they was looking for.
5: But that's crazy. I'm going to
13: fall... Nah, I won't do no good. I told him that anybody would wait till it cooled off before trying again. Now is when we should have protection. Well, come on, get out on the floor. Come
5: on, Ollie, out on the floor. All right, I'll be out in a second. Really, I will, Marino. Laverne? Yes, honey. As soon as Nick comes in, tell him to come right here. Tell him to tap on the door, will you? Sure enough, sugar.
12: Hey, what are you looking at me like that for,
5: Ginger? Look, Mom, I got to talk to you. I can't go out there on the floor. I'm scared. But what are you staring holes in me for? Mom, you and I were here in this room the last night Julie was alive. The night she must have been killed, remember? You poor kid. I always look like. We Julie. gotta remember. We've just got to. There was someone dancing with Julie that night. Some rumdum. Julie said something about him. I can't remember what it was she said. Oh, you mean the one that hurt her hand? That's it. That's it, hurt her hand, bent her wrist back when they were dancing.
12: Yeah, that's the guy. She said it was almost like as if he got a kick out of hurting her.
8: Yeah,
5: and a squirm. Yeah, Now What else? What else? Well, Julie called him a cement mixer. Oh, now we're getting somewhere, Mom.
12: Hard. Had, oh, he had Julie crazy, dancing yeah. like a slap-happy pug. I remember her describing it. He'd take three little steps to the right as if he was getting ready for a standing broad jump. That was it. Remember how Julie said she felt like screaming for Pete's sake, if you're
5: gonna jump, jump. Yeah, three steps to the right and if you're gonna jump, jump. Hey, what are you doing, Ginger? Some detective work? Getting some clues? You know who we're talking about, Mom? The killer? Yeah. Oh! If he enjoyed hurting her like that, when she was still alive, he'd enjoy dancing with her after she was dead. Oh, he's worse some prune face. Why, that... There's someone I gotta tell this to right away. Oh, where the... Nick! See you later, Mom. Hey. How's Ginger? Oh, Nick.
6: How's Nick? You're trembling. Sure it's me. Why not?
5: I thought you were called off the case. We were. Then what are you doing here?
6: Habit. Do you mind?
5: No, you dumb ape. I don't mind. Boy, how I don't mind.
6: And uh, as long as it isn't duty anymore, do you mind if I do something to you that I've wanted to do for days?
5: Well, it depends. I
6: want to take you in my arms.
5: All right. Take me in your arms and dance. Anyway, for the time being...
6: I'm a rotten dancer. You're
5: telling me. Nick, Nick, we got to talk. I just found out something about the killer that you ought to know.
6: Later. I paid Marina for all the dances to the end. We can leave whenever you want.
5: After this song, they play Dinah, and then comes the break. We can leave then.
6: What makes you so sure? Well,
5: the band always plays the song in the same order. Then they can sleep while they work i tell time by them. (laughs) Slimehouse Blues means it's 10.45. Lady Was a Tramp means 11.15. Dinah means 11.30. Never changes except when there's a request number. You
6: know, I like everything about you.
5: I like everything about you, but you're dancing. Let up on my hand, will you? You're bending it upside down. It hurts my wrist. I, uh,
6: told you I was a rotten dancer.
5: Well, for Pete's sake, don't dance like you were priming for a standing broad jump. If you're gonna jump, jump.
8: (gasps)
6: That's not Dinah. No, certainly isn't. It's a request number.
5: Who requested it?
6: I did. What's the matter, baby? I look sick. I,
5: I, I I feel just awful. I, I, I do feel sick.
6: Am I dancing that bad?
5: No, no. I just, I Nick, I'll have to stop at the air. I guess I'll, I'll go in to get a drink of water. Yeah, I'll drink of water in the ladies' room.
6: Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll
5: wait here for you. Oh, just give a minute. Operator. Operator. Operator, give me the police department. Homicide squad. Police department.
8: Homicide. Right away.
3: Homicide.
5: Hello, Homicide. This is Ginger Allen at Joyland. The third man you assigned to our place is the... Third man? What third man? Nick Ballister, the one you assigned to protect me.
8: We have no Nick Ballister, and there was no man assigned by us to protect you.
5: It's the killer. He's taking me out with him. I don't know where to. Look, I'll leave a trail of ticket stubs. Please come quick.
8: Ginger.
5: Uh, uh, goodbye, uh, Katie. I'm uh, sorry you couldn't work tonight. I'll, I'll fix it with Marino. How
6: are you feeling?
5: You shouldn't have come in here, Nick. Didn't you see the sign?
6: All that? Men keep out, violators subject to arrest? <laughs> Didn't say positively. Besides, they wouldn't arrest a cop.
5: Why couldn't you leave me in here alone?
6: You were gone so long, I thought something had happened.
5: Nothing's happened. Yet. Don't ask me how, but I kept up a patter while we walked All my brains were in my right hand to clutch those ticket stubs in my coat pocket I kept dropping those stubs, making sure he didn't see I tried to stay on the bright streets, but he led me to the lonely ones The one we were on now was like a graveyard, no lights, no people Suddenly I felt my blood run cold My fingers in that right-hand pocket fished around like a drowning man clutching for straws. The last ticket stub was gone. Ginger. Yes, Nick?
6: I'm, uh, I'm hungry. Would you like some chop suey?
5: Like it? Oh, I'd love it. He ate that chop suey with an appetite. Like a guy who had work to do. Work he was going to enjoy. I side-sneaked a glance at the jukebox without turning my head, you know, just my eyes. What a relief, all kinds of songs but no Poor Butterfly. Nick was beginning to act nervous. He'd guzzle a cup of tea, pour another, and keep looking over his shoulder like he was worried somebody might be following us. Then he'd grin like he used to and reach over for my hand. He pressed my fingers till they hurt. Hard, like he never pressed them before, I guess. I guess he couldn't wait. And suddenly, he stood up.
6: Ask the waiter for the check, Ginger. I'm just going to wash my hands. Then it's time we left.
5: Hmm. Waiter. Waiter, quick. Yes, you mean? What will it be? I'm leaving. When my boyfriend comes out, tell him you think I went back to the the, the powder room. <laughs> a gag. You know, he's a deadbeat. I want to shake him. Maybe you don't understand... <laughs> Marino, um, how
13: did you get here? Mom told me, and then I followed your ticket stubs. He almost saw me. Come on, quick! Marino, thank
5: heaven you got here. Hurry up. Mm. Marino, I, I can't run anymore. I'm, I won't last the block.
8: You won't have
13: to. There's a vacant house in the middle of the block. Here, inside, fast. I think I see him coming. It's
5: all dark in here. No one lives here. That's
13: why. Here, I'll light this searchlight. There. There's a stairway leading upstairs. Oh. Go ahead. Now, watch it now. Don't trip them yeah. stairs. It's broken. Uh. Mm. Now, through this door.
8: Ooh.
13: Here's a candle and, and a match. Okay. Now we can see each other and wait.
5: Do you think we're safe?
13: We'll know in a few minutes.
5: <gasps> oh, Marino. Ginger. Oh, it's him. Just
13: put out that candle. Now hide back right there. I'll take care of him.
8: Ginger.
5: <gasps> Tim.
8: All right, oh. you ask for it. Oh. We'll see about that. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Please. Oh. 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 oh, my God. Oh. oh, go on. Kill me. Get it over with.
5: Oh. oh, why did you stop the music?
7: We danced from the beginning of the record.
5: Marino.
13: Yeah. Yeah, you real. You think you could hide from me with different names and different faces? Marino!
5: Why do you call me Muriel? What are you doing? I'm Ginger, don't you remember? I'm Ginger Allen.
13: Yeah, each time you tell me a different name, Muriel, that you can't get away by changing names. Marino! The first time you changed your name was when you married me before I left for Europe with that operetta company. You remember? You all got to play poor butterfly when you promised to love me forever. Help me.
5: Somebody help me. Yeah, well, the next
13: time you changed your name was when you thought I was dead lived on my insurance and married another man. Oh, no matter how many times please. you change your name, Uriel, I'll find
8: oh.
5: you. <laughs> no, not me. You yeah. killed her. You killed her, Marino, again and again. You only killed her last month,
13: yeah. Marino. Next time I think I have, she rises again. This time I'm going to kill you and your lover. Oh. This is the last time. Oh, Nick! Ah. And ah. now we dance. Now
8: we dance. Here are you by. The you ah. was on ah. And now dead. And then you're... you
5: just must die. How's Ginger? Oh, Nick! Oh, Nick! I thought he killed you.
6: I got an awfully hard head. Police will be here in just a minute.
5: Oh, Nick. How do you fit into this? Headquarters never heard of you.
6: They were instructed to say that in case you called.
5: Well, what was the idea? scaring me to death. Well,
6: I figured Marina would follow Ginger and her boyfriend once he thought the police were off the case, and when he did, I had to have you thinking I was the killer, so you'd run off with him willingly.
8: Why, you no
3: good... It
6: was the only way to find his hideout and the evidence we need. The phonograph, the record, and the attempted murder.
5: At my expense, you big piece of... uh, Another thing. How'd you know about dancing like a broad jumper and turning up my wrist?
6: Oh, I listened outside the door to you and Mom talking about that in the dressing room tonight. Gave me a couple of neat pointers. I put them together with poor Butterfly, so I could scare the daylights out of you.
5: Oh, you did, too. I ought to ring your... Oh, calm down. (laughs) No
6: wife of mine is going to have a red-headed temper
5: wife of yours, you'll do anything to learn how to dance, won't you?
6: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it looks that way.
5: No wonder you didn't want me to dye my hair. You wanted that nice, premature gray color.
8: (laughs)
3: And so closes Dime-A-Dance, presented by Roma Wines, and starring Lucille Ball, tonight's tale of Suspense.
4: Screen Directors Playhouse, star Dorothy McGuire, production Spiral Staircase, director Robert (laughs) Zionback... The Hollywood screen directors present a play on silent words. The motion picture drama, Spiral Staircase, starring Dorothy McGuire in her original role of Helen.
0: Sunday school is all right, but I wish they'd treat us like women. My golly. Mm, They make us skip the book of Ruth and the Song of Songs, which is Solomon, Especially that. My golly, it's in the Bible. Oh, it's beautiful. My beloved spoke and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For, lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. What's wrong with that, I'd like to know. Oh, it's beautiful. And St. Elmo. What's wrong reading St. Elmo? Uh, Now, if you ask me, I think that the... My golly, a
8: fire on Sunday? Yes.
0: Don't cry out. Don't speak. There's no need to speak now. It's all over, my daughter. So hush.
8: Hush. Hush.
0: From that day on, I was never able to speak again. Whenever I tried, I'd hear my mother's voice again. My mother, who had died in the fire, saying, Hush, child, hush. I could make people understand me, with simple signs, a nod, a shake of my head, pad and pencil. Later, I left my hometown to take domestic work with the Warren family. Professor Albert Warren, his half-brother Stephen, and his stepmother, Mrs. Warren. It was all I wanted. Then, one Friday evening, I was coming home from the village where I'd gone to see that new-fangled amusement motion pictures. It was a bleak November dusk, and there'd been some mysterious excitement in town. Something quite terrible. I didn't know what.
9: Helen? Helen, is that you in the road? It's
0: Dr. Perry. It's the young doctor who likes me, I think.
9: Helen? Oh, oh, it is you. Uh,
0: Nod and smile, Helen, as though you could speak. But choose to nod and smile as ladies do, by choice.
9: It's good to see you smile. Well, hop in, and I'll drive you right on to the Warrens' gatehouse. Here, here's a hand.
0: Yep, you go. There. Yep. There.
9: Yep, Gillen. Well, I've missed you, Helen. How have you been, Helen?
0: Smile and nod. Good. Good. Oh, he's missed me, he says.
9: It, uh, wasn't a very nice thing happened in town on your day off?
0: Oh, what was it, I wonder? Young
9: woman, rather pretty young cripple, was murdered. Oh. Do you know that?
0: Another one. And
9: I, I'm telling you because I want you to be very careful about going out after nightfall, that's all. Oh,
0: he's kind. Could he really like me?
9: Now, now tell me. How much longer are you going to stay on at the Warrens?
0: I know what he means.
9: You know, you've got to make an effort to get back your voice, Helen. Oh, he
0: mustn't. Oh, I
9: know. You. Much rather I wouldn't talk about I it. would rather. Not that there isn't a certain beauty and grace in your stillness you're not mute you're still but somehow
0: oh i love him so
9: and everything you think is in your eyes helen good night helen be careful
0: thunder hurry only a few more yards to the house rattle a stick on the picket fence. My kind of whistling in the dark. Cripple girl, murdered. Why? Who? Faster. Faster. Run.
10: Oh, it's you, Helen.
0: Professor Warren. He looks worried or angry.
10: I'm glad you're here, Helen. I wonder if she'll go up to see my stepmother. She's feeling worse again. Thank you, Helen. Thank you.
1: Where have you been, Helen? It's late. She never remembers. My night out. Oh, put that eternal pencil and pad away. Never oh, mind.
0: She's Ill. She doesn't mean to hurt. I
1: hoped you were never coming back tonight.
0: Why? What can she mean?
1: Helen, run away. If you know what's good for you, run away. What's she saying? Leave this house tonight.
4: Helen, mother.
1: Oh, don't call me mother, Albert. The most
10: shocking thing has happened in town.
1: There's been another murder.
10: Why, how would you know?
0: Yes, how?
1: How do you know, Albert?
10: Well, the constable was just here. Very curious. I'm mentioning this in Helen's presence for good reasons. Every one of those murdered girls had some kind of
1: affliction. Affliction? Yes, the servant girl had a bad scar. Second one was wrong in the head.
10: This one limped.
1: Albert, where is Stephen? Stephen? Has Stephen come in yet? Why? Answer me.
10: No. Why?
1: Because... There's the... Rain. He'll be drenched. That's why.
10: I want Helen to be especially careful for the next few days.
0: He's good, too. Kind and thoughtful and good. Helen,
10: if you see anything at all outside this house that makes you suspicious, I want you to tell me.
0: Yes, not yes. Thank you.
10: I have some dictation to give Blanche on my book. Remember what I told you, Helen. And don't trust
1: anyone. Ellen, pack your things and leave. Leave? No. Why? Where? Oh, no. Shake your head off if you like, but leave tomorrow. Meanwhile, there's a gun in my dresser. Oh, no, I'm afraid oh, of guns. Oh, stop shaking your head at me, girl. Stop contradicting me. You're in danger here. Do you want... It's an attack. Dr. Perry, get me, Dr. Perry. Hurry.
0: Stephen?
8: Yes,
14: Mother. I just got in.
0: Drenched. His shoes coated with mud. Where's Dr.
1: Perry?
14: On the way, Mother.
1: There's been another murder.
14: Oh, has there?
1: Oh, why didn't you stay in Paris?
14: Don't you want me with you, Mother?
1: Where were you tonight?
14: If you must know...
0: I must know, yes. She knows something.
14: I, um... I was out walking with Blanche...
0: No. Blanche, Professor Warren's secretary. They both...
1: I think the professor will want to talk to you, Stephen. About the murder? Why, no, Stephen. About Blanche, his secretary.
14: Very well, Mother.
0: It's quiet now. We're waiting for Dr. Perry to arrive. Quiet now, but the Professor and Stephen have had a dreadful quarrel about Blanche. She's very pretty and no afflictions, and so men quarrel over her. Stephen and the Professor hate each other, and it's so terrible. Both, after all, had the same father. Dr. Perry!
1: You know, Dr. Perry... You look a little like my husband.
9: Oh, really, Mrs. Warren?
0: Yes. Was he kind, to He was sure
1: gentle and kind to girls with, hand. with afflictions. I?
0: Well,
9: I'm flattered. Thank you.
1: He always told me I wasn't as beautiful as his first wife, but that I was a much better shot. Oh. He has <laughs> a gun
0: in this very room.
1: Yes, the beauty my husband admired was the beauty of strength and of character. And both of his sons were weaklings. Stephen and the professor. I'm weak, too. Afflicted. Dr. Perry, I... I... you love Helen. Mrs. Oh. Warren. If you love her, and I know you do, get her out of this house. Now, no,
9: you're upsetting yourself again.
1: Get her out of this house while there's still time. Do you hear me? Do you? Do you? Do you?
9: Helen. <laughs> Helen, Brandy, quickly. <laughs>
0: Brandy, Brandy. I've looked everywhere. None. None in the pantry, none in the closet. I'll run into the study to find Professor Warren. Brandy, Brandy.
10: Write it out, Helen, will you?
0: Yes. B-R-A-N-D. Brandy. Yes, Brandy, yes.
10: I'll have to fetch a bottle from the cellar. Get Mrs. Oates out of the kitchen. Tell her to come with me and bring a
9: candle. Hurry, girl.
0: Warren is resting again. Mrs. Oates is back in the kitchen in a stupor from the brandy she managed to steal when she went down into the wine cellar with Professor Warren. Blanche stays in her room. I wait in the parlor while Dr. Perry gives Professor Warren some instructions. Uh, Helen. Oh, Dr. Perry, looking so very tired. I,
9: I want to talk to you, Oh, Helen. he mustn't apologize. Yeah, yeah. Sit next to me here. Oh, he mustn't sofa.
0: try to explain that it was Mrs. Warren and not he who said he loves me. I understand. I've been
9: thinking things over, Helen. Mrs. Warren is right.
0: He says Mrs. Warren is right. You
9: should come away with me tonight. Oh, he
0: does love me. Stay
9: at my mother's house until I take you to Boston to see a specialist.
0: Oh, afflicted.
9: Uh uh, Helen, the Fabers on Pepper Street have an out-of-town guest, Betty Lindstrom.
0: Betty Lindstrom. She went to
9: Sunday school with you years ago?
0: Sunday school. Betty Lindstrom.
9: He tells a story about a young girl walking home from Sunday school one day. No. And when she wasn't no. far from home, she heard a fire engine rushing down the street. It was her own home, wrapped in flames. Her mother and father trapped inside. She tried to scream. Uh, mother. Uh. Scream, Helen.
0: I can't. Scream. Can't. Try. I'm trying. Why? Trying. 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 Crying. Ah. Ah. Shh. Yes,
9: Mother. Shh. Yes. Helen, you can speak. Speak. Shh. Helen. Hmm? Helen, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I was trying to help you.
0: I know he's so good.
9: Oh. Oh, that must be for me, Helen. Oh. I left this number with the Wilsons. Their boy is very sick. Here, I'll write the Wilson telephone number on your notepad. One, eight, nine. One, eight,
0: nine. Yes,
9: and have Mrs. Oates call me there if you need me. Now, if you'll go to the door with me, I'll take it as a sign that that you forgive me. Ah. Oh. It's a wretched night. But the rain's over.
0: Nod, yes.
9: Smile, Helen, please.
0: Smile.
9: (laughs) That's better. Thank you. Thank me. Now, be sure and lock the door, won't you? And don't open it for anyone but me.
0: But before he went... Good night, Helen. He kissed me. He kissed me. He wants me to come away with him. He kissed me. How was it long ago, in the Bible, in the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, my beloved spoke and said unto me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away with me. For lo, the winter is past.
9: Wretched night. What? The rain's over. The rain is
0: over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, and the time of singing is come.
9: Arise, my love, and let me see thy countenance. He loves
0: me. Let me see thy countenance. He loves me.
9: Let me hear thy voice. Voice. For sweet, sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is
0: comely. Voice.
9: Let me hear thy voice. Let me hear thy voice. Let me hear thy voice.
0: Hush, daughter.
8: Hush. (gasps) Ah. <gasps>
4: Listening to the Screen Director's Playhouse presentation of The Spiral Staircase, starring Dorothy McGuire in her original role of Helen, the mute girl, and John Daner as Dr. Perry. Dr. Perry has
8: been
0: gone. Almost an hour. And now a second bitter quarrel in the house. Stephen in Blanche's room next to mine. Raising their voices. Stephen, Blanche they're crying. They're Stephen taunting they're her, they're laughing. They're at find her. Her in my room. Especially the professor.
14: Crying, my dear Blanche, <gasps> makes no impression on me, whatever. I like to see women cry. It makes me feel so superior.
0: I'm not going on with you anymore, Stephen. We can't hide our feelings from the professor any longer.
14: And just why should we hide our feelings from my stepbrother? Oh, I forget you did have a certain interest in him. You are a pig. Now, Blanche... Get out!
0: I'm leaving tonight. The better to wash my hands of you.
14: As you wish, Blanche. But you'll regret this. I honestly think you're going to regret this most seriously.
0: Blanche has left her room and gone down to get her suitcases out of the cellar. I'd be afraid to go down there alone... It's very dark in the cellar. There's a spiral staircase that goes round and round into the dust and the damp and the darkness round and round into darkness.
10: Oh, I'm sorry if I disturbed you, Helen. Do you know where Blanche is?
0: Isn't she up from the cellar yet?
10: Helen, I'm speaking to you. Will you please find Blanche? I want her to take some dictation in my study. At once.
0: The spiral staircase. Going round and round. Down into darkness. Into the dark. The damp. The shadows. Blanche. Where's Blanche? It's been almost an hour. Yes, not yes, 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 All dead, right.
14: yes. All right. You'll let me handle this, Helen. You understand what I mean? I
0: could dash for the door.
14: Helen, answer me. Do you understand what I say?
0: Dash for the door. Open it. Slam it. Bolt it outside. Helen. Helen. Terrified. Pencil, lost pencil, pencil. Are
10: you trying to. Pencil? Here, right.
0: Right. Yes, right. Blanche? Yes. M U R D E R. Hell in
10: Heaven's name. Are you. Do you know who did
0: it? S D E P A T? Yes.
10: Of course.
0: Why does he say, of course?
10: Ellen, where is Stephen now?
0: Locked in cellar.
10: Oh. Ellen.
0: Why does he look at me like that?
10: Helen, look there in the mirror. Mirror? Go on, look at yourself, Helen.
0: Why does he do this?
10: You see, Helen, you have no mouth.
0: No mouth? I know what he means, but why should he say it so cruelly?
10: No mouth, Helen. And in all this world, there's no room for imperfection.
0: He's so strange.
10: We're alone, Helen. Mrs. Oates is very drunk because I purposely let her steal a bottle of brandy when we went downstairs before. My stepmother is helpless in her bed. And you have just locked Stephen in the cellar. Blanche is dead.
0: He, he is the killer.
10: Blanche, whom I loved... And who betrayed me with Stephen is dead, or I killed her.
0: He's mad.
10: What a pity, Father didn't live to see me become strong, to see me
0: dispose
10: of the weak and the imperfect in this world. Escape. I put on these leather Escape. gloves. Where? Father would admire me for what I'm about to do.
0: I know, the gun, the gun in Mrs. Warren's room. Escape. <laughs> Not so imperfect as he thinks. I run, run like the wind. Climb the stairs to Mrs. Warren's room like a cat. Slam the door and bolt it in his face. Gun, pad and pencil. Write. Gun. Wake up, Mrs. Warren. Wake up. Wake up. Oh, please wake up. Her eyes are opening now. Read. Gun. The gun. Where is the gun?
1: Gun. What gun?
0: Helen. She knows where the gun is. She must know. Helen. No use. It's no use. She's drugged or poisoned. Someone at the door downstairs. Someone's outside. The professor will have to answer, and then I can steal downstairs again, down the spiral staircase, free Stephen, get Stephen to help me. Yes. Round and down, down and round, into the darkness, into the shadows. Softly. Soft. A foot. I saw a shoe draw back into the shadows under the last spiral. The professor. Waiting. Turn. Softly. Go back. Softly. Step.
1: Step. Step. And run!
0: Mrs. Warren at the top of the steps. Stop where you are. Mrs. Warren. Both of you. She has the gun. Why did she point it at both of us?
1: Mother. No, only your stepmother, whom your father always taught never to waste a single shot. (laughs) You murderer. It was you who killed all those girls. I thought it was Stephen. You always waited until Stephen came home to cast suspicion on him. Never waste a shot, your father taught me. Never a shot. (laughs) Helen, girl... Better get me Dr. Perry. Number, please. Number, please. Hush,
0: daughter. Hush.
1: Number, please.
10: You see, Helen,
9: you have no mouth.
1: You must leave this house, Helen.
9: Let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice.
8: Number, please. You
9: have no mouth. Let me hear thy voice.
8: Number, please. Thy voice, no
9: mouth.
7: Thy voice, no mouth. Thy voice, no mouth. Thy voice, no mouth. Thy voice. Thy voice. No mouth.
8: Number, please. Number, please.
0: Doctor Perry?
9: This is Dr. Perry. Who is this?
0: It's me. Who? Helen.
9: Helen Oh Helen, darling, what's happened? What wait, I'm coming
0: right over. Darling. He said darling. And spoke and said unto me, Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away with me. Arise and let me hear thy voice.
2: And that was Dime-A-Dance from Suspense starring Lucille Ball and The Spiral Staircase from the Screen Director's Playhouse. Just a quick reminder to check out the Film Club this week at attaboyclarence.com where Fritz Lang's M is showing for the next week or so. Also, take a moment to leave an iTunes review for the show. Typing an iTunes review makes your fingers glow like ETs. Try it and see. Next week, let me give you a tour of merry old England with some quintessentially British classic movies. And a slice of English radio comedy gold. So see you there. What ho! Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Smoother, smoother, smoother,
4: smoother. Let Mysteries at
10: Midnight be your destination for detective whodunits and captivating mystery stories. You'll hear classic stories like Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie's Poirot